We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey guys, Paul here with, uh, with a little bit of bad news. You know how right now you can hear me loud and clear? Not so much the case for the uh, remainder of the episode. Made a, uh, as they would say in the biz, jobber mistake and forgot to unmute my microphone. Cody sounds great. Uh, so managed to do a little bit of post-editing and I think I was able to salvage it. Uh, decided to can the video, but audio is here and I think it's passable. I don't know. Hope it's all right and it's not too much of a struggle for you. I'm super, super hollow throughout it. You'll see. So there's a two-week break for the UFC after this, and I assure you when we come back from our little break, I'll have my shit together. So, sorry again. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Sao Paulo, Blahovich versus Jacare, Paul Shaughnessy and Cody Saftik here in studios with you What's as that? always. Coming off of Russia. Oof. Now we're in Brazil. You know, we, we go to Brazil like 10 times a year at this point. So uh, anyway, before we get to any of this, we've got uh, winners from last week. We have our winner from last week, LaughLaw84. Congratulations to you. You are the winner of 20 DK dollars that should be in your account right now. If it's not, it's coming. Ask all the other people who have collected their cash in the past. It's coming. It's good We're for good it, man. For it. It's good for We're it. good for it. Anyway, Cody's going to tell you how you can win 20 DK dollars this week like Laugh Law did last week. Well, we spent a lot of time last week discussing the possibility of hometown cooking. And to be honest, other than maybe one fight, there wasn't really only a hometown. They could have screwed some people over. They could have pulled the dirty, dirty. But for the most part, pretty accurate judging. So, you know, maybe hometown cooking wasn't a factor in Russia. Now we're in Brazil. Surely, something we would normally talk about is little hometown cooking, Paul. You and I, we always talk about hometown cooking. So the question this week, 
is hometown cooking a real thing? Are we fucking full of it here? Does it really not matter? Sometimes the UFC brings their own judges or American guys. Uh, people say that the crowd factors in. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it, is it a real thing? Or is it plain and simple? Let that not be a factor. There's no narrative. Just pick the better fighter. What do you think? Clearly, well, I mean, clearly, I think you believe that I'm hometown cooking is a real, I'm a real on thing. A whole bunch of like tweets and stuff. If it's not a thing, <laughs> like, tweeting, whatever the local cuisine is, uh, maybe it's partially a joke. Brazil has been a lot better over the last few years, so there's that. In Russia, we were talking about just before we went on the air here that all the it was like all the judges were just the normal judges that you usually hear at most events. It's not like. Yeah, there wasn't any, like, Russian name. Vadim Finkelstein was not judging what the fight. was sketchy in Russia? Who were those referees? I'll tell you that much. Like, if you were Russian and you were able to hold your opponent against the cage, there was no separation whatsoever. Yeah, Abelov got warned a pile of times, yeah, but Abelov. it really didn't matter. Yeah, there was... there, And those were Russian referees, so... I think home cooking exists, maybe not in the way that we used to think it does. Wow, now maybe wow, it's wow, wow. three-dimensional. It may just be the judges, or sorry, the referees that are uh, that are in on it. But uh, I, I, you know, I'm a full-fledged like conspiracy theorist at heart. So uh, maybe that's for a different conversation. Maybe a Christmas episode where we just talk about uh, greasy theories that maybe don't even pertain to sports. But either way. Um, Got yeah, a good so main event here. Still a thing, damn it. Well, if this is a close main event, then maybe Jacare will get the a, nod. Is it a close main event though? We have Jan Blahovich taking on Ronaldo Jacare Souza at two hundred and five pounds. Blahovich is nine or eighty nine hundred minus two hundred favorite. Sorry, we're gonna just go through the odds. Uh, minus two hundred. Souza can be had for plus one seventy. I don't like anybody who comes up to two hundred five. It's like, been proven recently. Besides, besides uh, Santos, uh, Tiago Moreta Santos, who goes up that twenty pounds and looks good? Luke Rockhold dusted, crop dusted by Yo uh, Blahovich. We got uh, Chris, Chris Weidman going up. Everybody who moves up these twenty pounds, it's significant. It's a lot of size. You'll see when these guys stand next to each other. Jacare was always really big for one eighty five, but. It'll be di like they may be the same height, you may be like, oh, they look pretty close or whatever, like that. But like, there's a different body type going on here, and I don't like like Jacare doesn't have the greatest like wrestling to be perfectly honest. His jujitsu is obviously on another planet if he can get it there, but is he going to be able to muscle around Yawn here? I don't think so. The only saving grace is. Is that where, you know, we're in his home country. I guess the crowd will be behind him. He's going to have some support and whatnot. But I think Vlahovich rolls here big time. Yeah, yeah, certainly a possibility. I, the very first thing you think of is exactly as you mentioned. The guys that have moved up recently from 185 to 205 looking for some, some past glory, it has not worked out. There could be a strong argument for, dude, this guy's way too big for 185. He's young. His body's filling out. None of those guys fit that criteria. Chris Wyman's broken down. He's looking for a second jump. It does not work. Luke Rockhold, he's broken down, looking for a second start. It did not work. Jacare Susan nearing his 40th birthday. I think he's like three weeks away from his 40th birthday he's looking for a second job 
And it's not likely to work. At least if it does work, it's going to be one of those tough fights. Does he have a tough, nitty-gritty last performance left in him? Like, I, I don't know. The fights that he's lost that have been those razor-close fights with Kelvin Gastelum and Yoel Romero. In both instances, the Yoel fight, I thought he won. But I thought that was his last hurrah. Like, this is the end. It's not going to get any better from here. And it wasn't. It's been downhill. Mm -hmm. The Kelvin Gastelum fight, dude, that was his last hurrah. And you know what? He loses that fight. I thought he lost that fight. Then he beats Weidman. It's like, fuck, man. Maybe this guy's got a little bit left in the tank. But all of these fights it's not glory Jacare it's Jacare who's getting older at 185 and then the last fight with Jack Hermanson you know we talk a lot about this guy's jiu-jitsu and that guy's jiu-jitsu and how good jiu-jitsu really is but you, there has to be a point as well where it's like everybody's good at jiu-jitsu and Jan Blokovic well he's a black belt as well and Jack Hermanson didn't give a fuck about sitting in Jacare's guard and pounding him he didn't and there was very little submit win the way of submissions that really threatened him and kept him on his toes maybe it's the same thing here maybe Jan does take him down maybe Jan pounds him one thing I will admit, because I don't like this minus 200 price tag on Jan, is uh, with Jacare, is that even though his gas tank's not great, his gas tank's not great because he throws everything into everything. He's got the same two punches. He's got He works the body fucking awesome these days. And he goes big power double, tries to get the fight to the ground. He'll pull guard if he has to, but for the most part, he's not pulling guard. But he muscles everything. He goes for everything. That's why he's getting tired. Jan, meanwhile, has this perception of good cardio, good cardio. I don't know that Jan's cardio is all that great. If you look back a couple fights, he's getting tired in, in, in some of these fights. And most notably, we'll say the Jared Cannonier fight. He goes up two rounds. In the third round, he gasses out against Cannonier, who's down at middleweight now, and loses the third round against Cannonier. If it's a five-round fight with Cannonier, it's interesting. His fight with Jimmy Manoa, the first round, he drops Jimmy Manoa. The second round, he, he does fairly good. But at the end of the second round, he gasses out. Pulls it together a little bit in the third, but maybe in a five-round fight. We've never seen Jan in a fourth round. We've never seen him in a five-round. The only time he was ever booked in the fifth round, he got knocked out early in the third against Tiago Santos. So I, if Jacare can extend him out, and if Jacare can get him to the ground... Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to take a dog shot. If I was playing multiple... I'd be more to just hit... If, if you really do feel that way, why don't you just wait to see it? Uh, so you can, you'll be able to hit it live, I would imagine. Here's the problem with hitting it live. Here's the problem. Is that Jacare is a fast starter. Is that he's going to start fast. In fact, if I, even though I'm probably going to lean towards Blakovic winning this fight, but passing on it because it's 2-1 to one and just I see it closer than 2-1, to one, is that Jacare is going to have a good first round, probably wins the first round. So now on a live betting standpoint, you'll never get the 170 back. If he's up around. If he's up around. If he's down around, you'll get more. If he's going to win any of the rounds, it'll be the first, first maybe one and two but i think the longer the fight goes if he can't get the fight to the ground he needs to now outstrike yon can he can he can he outstrike yon yeah yeah theoretically speaking he's got more volume than yon he works the body pretty good he's got good kicks i just don't i can't trust him at 40 years old in an extended five round fight but it, this is full on for me dogger pass pass is a smart play but 170 is pretty tempting from your breakdown there here's what i took away yeah you said that jacare is going to win the first couple of rounds he's also going to win the late rounds then because you said that you're worried about young gassing <laughs> I'm worried about yeah, no, 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 no. I, I don't know. I don't know. I see what you mean, but but what I'm saying is that Jacare, if he wins the first couple rounds and gasses out and Yawn wins, it's because he's going for it, foot for it, as he always does. He throws power into everything. That's what's tiring him out. If he does that, then I think he's going to get himself tired, as he did in the Kelvin Gastelum fight. Get himself tired, as he did in the in the Jack Hermanson fight. And I do believe that because Yawn's way bigger than him, he could stop the takedowns. He could take him down and do the same thing Hermanson did. Stay in the guard for a minute or two of the round. 
yeah, I don't think Jacare is good enough that he's going to sweep you. The other thing that worries me about Jacare is this is not Jacare Souza prime of his career training at, you know, the X gym with Anderson Silva and, and Rafael Fajal Calvacante and, you know, that good little cast of guys they had there. This is him in like Orlando training with like Mike Perry and those guys. It hasn't looked great since the switch. I don't know. I can't, I can't in faith back him. That's why I'm thinking it's going to be a pass. But in terms of the, do I see this fight going five rounds? Jan's not really known for his power. He's only been knocked out twice. One time was leg kicks. One time was Thiago Santos lands him right on the button. Mm -hmm. Never been submitted. Well, he'd been submitted. Sorry. It was like 12 years ago or something, like 10 years ago. He got submitted with a Kimura, like lock. Long ass time ago. Hey, I don't know. I don't know. I will see it go in the distance. If it does go the distance, it's going to be a close fight. Jacare is not getting blown out in his fights. They're typically fairly close. He lost that Hermanson fight 4-1, but he's got a couple of another close round in there. Maybe it's a 3-2. If home cooking is a real thing and he is in a close fight with Jan, maybe he can squeak it out. For plus 170, that's where the value lies on this. We'll talk about DK at the end of the show. But uh, the 2-1 to one on Jan, even though I can see him winning this fight, I, I, I do feel in like my heart like I want to pick him. I am leaning in that direction. The value Value's not there. This is a dogger pass. I just don't. I just won't touch uh, middleweights at two hundred five. That's just very fair theory. Very so fair. It's it's the honor bust for me. We'll talk about it from a DraftKings perspective when we get there. Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before. Introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. For every twenty nineteen Showdown Boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime boxing swag bag. Head to www.draftkings.com showtime to play against this Friday's main event featuring undefeated welterweight prospect Eric Vega Ortiz of Tijuana, Mexico, facing off against 2016 Olympian and decorated amateur Alberto Palmetta of Argentina in the 10-round main event. Talking about... Uh, aging legends. We got Mauricio Shogun who are taking on Paul Craig. Minus 260 Shogun, plus 220. Bear Jew, who he got? <sighs> it seems like a favorable matchup for for Shogun Hua. I mean, obviously they know what they're doing with Shogun these days. They're booking him in specific matchups that he can potentially win in front of a hometown crowd and excite the crowd one last time. Sweet, sweet Jesus, we love it. Him versus Sam Alvey, interesting fight because again, Sam Alvey is another one of these middleweights that moved up to two hundred five. Has not looked good whatsoever. No. So yeah, I guess it's a fight that favors Shogun. But Sam Alvey also hits like a tank. Not necessarily at 205, but we've seen him what you can do at 185. Like, the guy hits pretty hard. Maybe he can catch chinny-ass Shogun and make a fight out of it. Like, who knows? Sam Alvey pulling out on, like, pretty short notice here and getting a replacement in Paul Craig. Now it's a... Like, they they got him the guy that matches up with him perfectly. Oh, he has, like, no stand-up. Virtually no stand-up. His wrestling is extremely lackluster. And even if he does get you to the ground, he's a brown belt. You're a black belt. You've been a, brown, a black belt for a long time, you know, Mauricio Shogun. In his last fight with uh, with Tyson Pedro, he relied almost exclusively on his ability to just take Pedro down and dominate him on the ground. Ends up getting a third round TKO stoppage. Like he's maybe one of those guys, as we talk about with a Caesar Ferreira and those types. Once you realize it's like, nah, dude, I can strike, but I also can't take a punch. I'm going to switch my game plan to grinding. Gee, fuck, Shogun can do that too. Now, is he going to strike with any of the good strikers in the division? No. 
Is he going to wrestle and grapple with any of the good grapplers in the division? No. Maybe Paul Craig doesn't fit in any Paul of those. Craig, yeah, a good striker or grappler in the two, UFC 205-pound division? No. no, no. But that being said, you look at Shogun's last fight, and it's a glorious moment over over a Tyson Pedro, and it's like, oh, dude, vintage Shogun. And dude, he's on like a three-fight winning streak or something, right? Like, it's like, oh, wow, we're getting some good performances out of Shogun. Like, maybe there's maybe – there's, the UFC knows, let's not book this guy back in three months. Let's not book this guy back in four months. They know, let's book this guy back nine, ten months from now yeah. when we're in Brazil. And he can be the co-feature in a fun little fight to excite the Brazilian crowd. Like, they know what they're doing with him. Also, you can't forget in the Tyson Pedro fight, Tyson Pedro's like a hair away from knocking out Shogun in the first round. Like, he drops him once and then makes him do the stanky leg later on in the first round. It's a 10-8 first round. Eventually, Shogun ends up getting the stoppage. But all the same is like you can't ignore that it's not vintage Shogun. Like this is a this is a shot up version of Shogun. Here's a stat for you. Actually, I found extremely interesting. Paul Craig made his MMA debut in 2013. Right, mm-hmm. that's the same year that Mauricio Shogun Hua was a betting line underdog <clears throat> against James Tahuna, right? He lost his title to Jones in 2011. He was considered fucking shot in 2013 shot when Paul Craig months. when Paul Craig made his MMA debut. And now this is he's minus 260 over Paul Craig. So I, I I don't know, man. I got some reservations about this fight as well. But I can't be betting all the dogs in this car. There's a lot of tempting dogs. Yeah. Uh, you got to know when to pass. I just and can't get to the minus two sixty. I can't get to the two sixty. He's just he's so dusty and old. It's just like if Paul Craig lands something, he doesn't usually do that. But if he lands something and and Shogun just withers away, am I gonna be shocked? Well, yeah, that's the thing with Paul Craig, right? So heading into his last fight, and mind you, he knocks out the worst guy imaginable his last fight. And yes, you did warn me about that, uh, Vinicius Moreira. He, he had never knocked out anybody in his career. But not only did he just clap this guy that had no chin, he knocked him the fuck out. And in in a sense, it doesn't really matter if you've never knocked out anybody. This is MMA. You're throwing punches and kicks. So again, could he knock out Shogun? Yeah, I think Shogun. He could knock out Shogun. Could Shogun knock out him? Yeah, absolutely. They could both get that knockout at each other. As for submissions, like I don't see him catching Shogun. I don't see Shogun catching him. Uh, well, maybe he does if he batters him first, but who knows. But 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 my last thing I want to mention is that people keep saying with Paul Craig, it's like, ah, oh, dude, he's, he's no good. And I agree. Like he's barely beating these guys one key thing that you have to keep in mind here right his fights khalil roundtree khalil roundtree is a freak fucking athlete let's just throw that out there magomed and Kalayev, dude fucking freaks athlete he's a stud absolutely jimmy crute 22 years old kid's a stud he's on the up and up he's strong he's brash good fight actually kennedy Injikuwu, fucking freak athlete fucking got it all Alonzo Menifield, god damn, this guy could have been a running back, not in the NFL, but in a fucking arena football league. God damn. Maybe he could have. Right, so like, so like, those guys are busting Paul Craig's ass up, no doubt about it, but those guys are all way faster than Shogun. So keep in mind that, again, Paul Craig, kind of a live dog. But I, I, I can't be back. At, ah, I don't know. This could be the kind of card you could bet all of the dogs. Half of them lose or seven of them lose. But the ones that do win could make it worth your while. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, again, I, I can't back who at minus 260. No. Give me a better price tag. We could talk about it, but not this one. We got Charles Dobronx Oliveira taking on Jared Gordon. Dobronx is minus 355. Gordon's plus 295. 
Hunter Brown's on like a five, six fight winning streak at this point. Has he finally turned the corner? That's kind of the question you have to be asking yourself. After, yeah. after a five fight winning streak, we're still talking about it. We always talk about it. Always talking about it. He's had all the talent yeah, in the yeah, world. Yeah, fucking talented. And then he would have like this moment where he just goes like full. I don't even know what the what the term. He just like he just like wither and yeah. die basically. Just yeah, like, packs it up. Yeah, he just he calls it calls it a match, and he's done that multiple times against Jared Gordon's training partner, friend, somebody at Rufus Sport, in Paul Felder. It's like when the Bronx got him to the ground, wasn't able to finish him in round one, had him in all put the squeeze on him, Paul. put the, the squeeze, squad. had everything he could. You could have like I remember I had the Bronx inside the distance that week, and yeah, I was just yeah, like, yeah. you know what? When you're when you're rostering this guy, I'm paying. Uh, the price, I think he's like 88. I don't even know what he was. 88, 8900. Sure, yeah. whatever. You're just like, I'm paying the price for what the opportunity that he got. He didn't get the finish. Say love, me. Um, he's been looking good really recently. Jared Gordon, on the other hand, is a guy who, you know, came into the UFC just guns a blazing, was just the DraftKings superhero. Smash the slate back to back. Smashing slates, just, you know, he's that guy. Now he's, you know, he's. Super cheap on DraftKings, <laughs> 300 underdog, going down to Brazil, probably getting set up in a situation where this is probably, he loses this fight, he goes home, he's got a really, I don't know, he's got a really good story, and he, uh, he's really helped out a lot of people with uh, addiction issues and stuff like that, so nothing but respect for Jared Gordon, but I mean... He's always at his best when he's pushing forward, getting into those, uh, getting into like grappling exchanges, pressure, pressure, pressure. And when you do that against Oliveira, you're going right into the fire. I don't like his chances here. Uh, Oliveira, on top of that, way longer, uh, way longer uh, reach and his striking. Like the way that he strikes, he's always at the end of his punches. Like I just. He's, uh, Gordon is gonna have to pull off a Felder where he just survives. Yeah, 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 and break him, and then break him, and then break him. But I just don't know if that's still like Oliveira may have turned a corner. I think he may have, but we'll find out. I guess on Saturday, pick is obviously Charles Oliveira here minus three twenty fifty five. Um, they don't have like the sub props out and stuff like that, but I'd be interested to see that price when it gets released. Minus three fifty five is. A little bit steep, I suppose, for a guy who has looked for the door a few times, but the guy is just oozing with talent. So, Oliver is the pick here. What about you? Yeah, this fight actually, and it'll be a fun fight, I think, while it lasts, but this fight makes absolutely no sense to make. Like, why Why is Charles Oliveira, who's on a five-fight winning streak, mm-hmm. who's finished all five of those opponents, why Why is he fighting an opponent, Jared Gordon, who's one and two in his last three? Well, how does this fight make any sense? It doesn't. No. He should be fighting a top 15, top 10 opponent. Yeah. He's like absolutely excitement, you know, bottled up. Like, all of his fights are extremely entertaining. He's fighting an increasingly better level of guys. Uh, he's still young enough, just turned 30, that you can you can conceivably see him fighting for a belt in the near future. But a fight like this does nothing for him. It's all danger. Because, yeah, you're right, he has quit a few times. If he if he puts it on Jared Gordon, and Jared Gordon's a guy that's died twice, uh, yeah, if you put it on him and he's still there at the end of it, are, are you going to quit? I don't know. Taking fights like that... 
if you win, you're supposed to win. You're three and a half to one favorite over him in Brazil. Like, there's a, what do you mean? If you win, you're going to win. If you don't look good and you don't finish him, we've got a problem. That's a that's a tough fight for Charlie. Charlie, but yeah, it's a fight where he matches up perfectly. You take Charles Oliveira, all of his skills, everything about him, and you take Jared Gordon's heart, and you put Jared Gordon's heart. In Charles Oliveira, world champion, no doubt about it, because all the skills are there. That's literally the only thing he's missing. You look at his record, it's phenomenal. He takes down Will Brooks. He out-wrestles Will Brooks and then submits him. If you're thinking like, oh, dude, that's just the one wrestler. Clay Guidi, he didn't take down. Dummy shot himself into the guillotine. But Christos Giagos is a good wrestler, takes him down, no problem. Jim Miller, no, takes him down, no problem. David Taymor, don't need to take him down. He fucking beat the shit out of David Taymor straight up with his striking. And then Nick Lentz, masterclass performance. Does whatever he wants to Nick Lenz and then eventually finishes him off with a knockout. It's like, my God, his stri- he can strike with strikers like Tamor, outstrike them, beat them. You strike with world class strikers. He can out wrestle world class wrestlers and he's submitting BJJ black belts like it's just another day. The one thing is, like, if he doesn't get this seemingly done in the first two rounds, it's not even just that Paul Felder fight, dude. It's the Anthony Pettis fight, where he's probably winning up until he taps to that guillotine. Uh, the Max Holloway fight, which, dude, it's Max Holloway, I get it, but, like, esophagus tear? Like, dude, there was no tear. Uh, going back to that Cub Swanson fight, remember, he took one, he backed away, and there was this, like... Fuck it, and then like crumpled Uh over the. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Donald Cerrone fights. It's like, oh man, he has a history doing it. But there's no denying that he was young and and he's learning. And now he's got the skills. And now if you see him, like his conditioning's way better. When your conditioning's way better, I think it leads to having a better heart. You know, because now you're not questioning yourself. You know, you can go those rounds. Going back to that David Taymor fight, he got dropped. He actually got dropped by a clean left hand in the second round, first round. Uh, No problem. Pops back up, fights on, doesn't quit on himself. I'm going to say he's beyond that. And even th- I've never bet against Jared Gordon. And what? Hey, he has cost me twice. Yeah. I'm not saying it's great to not bet against Jared Gordon. But in this matchup, like, yeah. he's going to get beat standing. He's extremely hittable. His chin has failed him. His last fight against uh, Dan Moret is a close ass fight. You can make an argument he lost the first round. I thought he won all three, but first round's close. Second and third, he beats Dan Moret. Now he's jumping from that to Charles Oliveira, who's going to have a wrestling, grappling, and striking advantage over him. Yeah. As long as Chucky Olives, like we used to call him. Yeah. As long as Chucky Olives doesn't quit on himself. He's got the advantage basically everywhere. So when we get to DK, yeah, he's obviously a good play. He's always a good play. Flip side to that, a good punt play, but you have to acknowledge it's full on punt. Yeah, Jared Gordon at sixty eight hundred dollars puts up a lot. And then as far as the betting line goes, like yo, you don't need me to tell you that three fifty five. He's a big favorite. He should be safe. But in comparative to Shogun Hua, who's two sixty, yeah, it's almost ninety points more. DK is pretty even. It's like I, I feel way, I feel way better again about Charles Oliveira, who has a great stylistical matchup, in it, whereas Shogun is just way too many questions. Marks. We got Andre Muniz taking on Antonio Arroyo. Uh, basically a straight pick. Come here, minus one fifteen, minus one hundred five. We got. Yeah, I found this one tough to tape study. So uh, basically, they're kind of similar versions of each other. It seems like this Andre Muniz. He's got a lot more experience. He's like sixteen and four. He's BJJ black belt. You know, most of his wins by submission. He's got 14 wins by submission, few from knockout, but like way before. His problem is that in those four losses, all four times, knock the fuck out. Uh, in his last loss, I think he fought in Russia, no big deal there. Again, 50 second knockout. It's like a short little left hand pops him right in the face and he. 
he's not like knocked out as much as he just knows it hurts and he just like curls away right away and the ref stops it. So all four of his losses have come by knockout. I do question that. He seems to be a submission guy. Flip side to that, Andre Muniz, he's in great shape. He's a guy that he spent a lot of time at Greg Jackson's. I guess he's a, he, uh, what's his name? You were uh, Alcantara? You were, weren't you just talking about Muniz? Yeah, sorry, Antonio Arroyo now. Yeah, Antonio Arroyo. So. That's why I find this tough to tape study. They reminded me a lot of each other. Um, not in appearance, but anyways. Antonio Arroyo, he's uh, an Erie Alcantara guy, right? Like one of those Marajo brother guys, him and his brother, right? So he spent a bunch of time at Greg Jackson's gym, and Jackson set him up with a couple decent fights. Looking at him, apparently he's got this kickboxing base. They called like, oh, he used to be a kickboxing world champion. But that world champion terms like massively loosely defined because I can't find anything other than his base is kickboxing. When you see him in there, it almost seems like it's karate, just like the way he shifts his feet, the way he moves his hips. Switches stances. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And he seems agile. And as far as like physically, like very good physical shape. Skills are probably still developing. He too prefers to get it done with submissions. He too will end up on the ground and doesn't mind, you know, playing that game. I don't think he should be, Arroyo should be grappling with extended period times against Muniz, but I don't think he's going to be completely out of place. Mm -hmm. And if he can just fight, keep this fight standing long enough, keep it in his element, he should be able to catch him with something and put him down. So God's listen, it's an EV. just kicks Arroyo. That's, that's the one thing I, I really popped out for me. I, I'll admit, so they said that he hadn't been training his striking like all that long. He's another one of these guys that's been only been fighting pro MMA for like three or four years. They said he hadn't been like fighting all that long, but yeah, he's got a spinning like hook kick to the head. He's thrown it in a couple of his fights and it seems like, geez, that's a move that he's comfortable with. So he, he's obviously a decent enough striker. Yeah. Um, I think... Muniz, meanwhile, when he strikes, you watch it in his contender series fights, he just rushes forward and just yeah. bombs away, like head down, hands forward, straight on the line. So I feel like Arroyo will be able to counter that. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, is like Antonio Arroyo, while watching him, he does like to switch it up. Um, he was taking, whoever he was taking on in that uh, contender series fight, he was, um, you know, he was taking on a uh, orthodox fighter. It was just landing the uh, the left body kick or kick, body kick to the uh, to the gut at will, and then he was able to like kind of switch it up, and he uh, landed a head kick from orthodox with his right foot. So he's like able to kind of switch it up to his opponent or like whoever he's uh, facing. Um, Muniz looked yeah pretty pretty generic from what I kind of saw. I didn't think his wrestling was anything special. I think Arroyo on tape at least looked like he's got the much more devastating kind of fight finishing ability. So this is a fight that when we get to DraftKings, I think is one that you may want to target. It's kind of inexperienced or, you know, lower, lower end guys at this weight class, big, big bombs getting thrown. So um, we'll talk about it a little bit, a little bit more as we go along. My pick is officially Arroyo and yours is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Arroyo. The, the last thing there is that, yeah, that Stephen Regman fight on contender yeah. series. Regman's like a, he's a way smaller, down. way smaller moving up and takes him down twice. It's yeah. like, uh Oh, however, Regman was a way better wrestler than Muniz. Like a Muniz can, Contender series fight, he mostly shoots for a takedown and then ends up on his back. But because he's got a big grappling advantage, he's okay. Against Arroyo, that same grappling advantage might not be there. It's going to be a problem. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Arroyo as well. Mm-hmm. We have Marcus Perez taking on Wellington Terman. Uh, Perez, minus 125. Terman, plus 105. Uh, Terman coming off of a split decision loss against Carl Roberson his last time out. And uh, Perez is coming off of a win over Anthony Hernandez. Yeah. 
Last time out. The funny thing about, you know, uh, Perez is that, like, he was, well, he's kind of like this capoeira guy, but, like, all his wins come by submission. And, like, his wrestling is real, real dodgy. Man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, this is a tough one, I think, to bet, to feel really confident in one of these guys. This is another fight that's like, when you're playing DraftKings, it's like, you have to take shots on guys that you're not going to like, and we'll we'll get to that as we go along. This is a fight that I'm very interested in, as, at least on one side, on DraftKings, but uh, I guess my pick is Perez, but I'm not too confident about it, like... I, his style, like, he's very relentless. He's moving forward. He likes to push people against the cage. Doesn't really have the wrestling. But, you know, at least he's getting after it. I don't know how well that gas tank holds up, but Termon got super, super tired against Roberson in their fights. So, um, yeah, lean, leaning leaning towards Perez here. Uh, but, yeah, this is not this is a spot I'll probably stay away from, at least in terms of pre-bets. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Again, I could talk myself into a dogger pass situation, but it's not like the money's anywhere spectacular on either end here. Is that Perez is the better fighter. That's definitely the smarter place to go with Perez. He's got a significant striking advantage. He's got a nasty little body kick. Like you're saying with his capoeira base of his, he, he he's very agile. He'll stay on the perimeter of the octagon. He'll move very well. And, you know, it's hard to catch up with him. you got to slow him down by grinding him up against the cage. And that's his problem, dude. He's like, I'd call him a poor man than Anderson Silva, but it's like he doesn't fight like Anderson. He just does that one same thing where Anderson does. He'll keep both of his hands at his hip and he'll back himself up to the cage and in his mind somehow believe some great counter's coming, but his opponent will just squash him up against the cage. Extremely notable here is that in his debut, he gets outgrinded by uh, Eric Anders. Like Anders takes him down twice and basically just handles him no problem. Two fights later, he fights Andrew Sanchez. Sanchez will just do the same thing. He stuffs all six of Andrew Sanchez's takedown. That That's extremely impressive. <clears throat> What's not impressive is that Sanchez didn't even need to take him down and beat him. He just held him up against the cage. This Wellington tournament kid, he's 23 years old, and fuck, dude, he's a little powerhouse. He likes to move forward. He likes to press guys up against the cage. In his fight against Carl Roberson, like, first of all, Carl Roberson, pretty decent. I mean, he looked awesome in Russia this past weekend. I'll give him the nod there. I didn't think he was going to beat Kopolov, but he put up a good showing. He's a good kickboxer. He's a good athlete. He's a rangy guy. Um... He's got a lot of good things going for him, right? And that fight with Terman, he wins the first round, no doubt about it. Second and third round, Terman gets him down. Terman gets grinding on him. Terman got robbed. Loses a split decision, but I, I thought he won that decision. And he's young. He's developing. He will should have made improvements from here and there. One thing I don't love about this spot, though, is that Marcus Perez was originally supposed to take on Jack Marshman. So he's got the full camp, whereas Wellington Terman, who took his debut on short notice, is again coming in on short notice. I don't know that he's going to be in great shape. I don't know that he's even super big for this weight class. But you know what you're saying in Russia, like all oh, these Russian refs, they'll just let you hold them up against the cage. You give me that ref. In this fight, yeah, he could be Marcus Perez, absolutely. Just plus 105, it feels more like I'm chasing, and I'm not chasing a great price. I'm yeah. chasing near even money. So I would say that you're, 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 <laughs> I'm not chasing anything. I'm not, uh, yeah, stall, yeah. To stall against it's not games, enough. It's, it's, it's just not enough. But I 100% do see the path for him. He's just got to push him up against the cage, press him, give him the old-fashioned grind. Because you let Perez work at distance, that's where he does his best work. But he's got seemingly very low ring IQ because he likes to do tricky moves that are ineffective and that will get him in trouble as long as Wellington Tournament could put together a good game plan. James Krause is a minus 185. Sergio Moraes is plus 160. I don't understand this line at all. 
Yeah, it's a tale of two fighters, really. I don't really, I just don't get it. Well, which which version of Sergio Moraes is showing up? All is it the one that does stuff because he'll win? Is it the one that doesn't do anything because he'll lose? Him winning decisions. Yeah, fair. Tim Means knows all about it. <laughs> fair. Um, fair. Plus one sixty. Talk me out of this. Talk you out of it. This goes to the ground. What happens? Sergio Moraes wins. Why? 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 Why would it go to the ground? Why would it go to the ground? You say talk you out of it. Why was it going to go to the ground? This guy doesn't shoot takedowns, Paul. We all know how good on the ground he is. Yeah, but how's J- James Krause's takedown defense? Awful. Yeah, forty-six percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just think not good. <laughs> plus one sixty. I'm very interested. You got to rely on him to we're, actually shoot. We're in Brazil. He's gonna be. He likes to. He loves to box. This guy has the great. Yeah, it, it, of course, I can see the path. Or obviously, I can see the path for a plus one hundred, plus one sixty underdog to lose a fight. Yeah. I just think that um, if it's a striking exchange, it could be relatively close. He's going to be giving up some reach, but he stays active enough that these Brazilian judges were impressed, at least against Tim Means. Like, Tim Means is a better striker, I think, than, than James Kraus. And he was able to win a striking affair against Tim Means. Like, I don't know, man. This gets to the ground, like... We always talk about Sergio Moraes is your Brazilian jiu-jitsu's coach. Brazilian you always, jiu-jitsu's you always stumble every time. coach. Either way. He's so good. He's yeah. so good if he gets you down there. It's obviously everyone actively avoids going to the ground with him like it's the plague, as they should. I don't know. Plus 160, like that's the side I'm drawn to right now. Um, tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I, I think if you're backing James Krause, you're backing the fact that he's coming off a career best performance against Worley Alves, where he was a minus, I think he was a four and a half to one underdog against Worley. And then when Worley Alves, who Paul, let's face it, has a significant wrestling advantage, has a significant grappling advantage, when he couldn't take him down and he got tired, geez, James Krause is technical. James Krause, we talk about how Sergio Marias is your Brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches. Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach. James Krause is your striking coach's striking coach. Like He's not some marvelous striker himself. However, he's a bona fide coach. And that's why he doesn't fight much. Guy's on like a five-fight winning streak dating back to 2015. Like He just does not fight. In fact, he's a 55-er. No doubt about it. He's a 55-er. But he ain't got time for that shit. He's got a family. He's got a gym. He's got a business. He's got a fight team. He just wants to fight maybe one time a year, maybe two times a year just because he does love to fight. Not with to cut the weight anymore fights at 170 first fight at 170 massive underdog should get washed out by Worley Alves puts up a good performance I, I do see where Sergio Marias does not shoot the takedowns doesn't attempt to get the fight to the ground because he loves to brawl James Krause is much more technical than him. James Krause will just keep his punches linear right down the middle. He's got better output. He'll just land on him. Yeah, Sergio Marias will throw some kicks here and there. Those kicks will get countered. The, th- the thing though is if Sergio comes out the version that we've seen in past times, goes out there with the game plan of, I'm going to take this guy down and submit him, then he, yeah, yeah, no problem. And he's so much taller than James Krause. It's like, he doesn't need to be a better wrestler in the traditional sense of like, drop down in him with the double leg or anything like that. It's like, he'll just peel him. You know what I mean? He'll get him up against the cage and he'll peel him to the ground. If the fight hits the ground, no doubt we're giving the advantage to Sergio Moraes. But the same thing goes back to not even just, you look at Moraes' last two fights. He fought Worley Alves himself. He got fucking tuned. Not, he, got, he got straight up beat up. 
That's the same common opponent James Krause. But let's go past that. Let's go to the 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 Anthony Martin fight or the Tony Martin fight. Anthony Tony Rocco Martin, Rocco. whatever. Rocco. Rocco's Rocco modern life. Yeah, yeah. You go back to the Rocco fight. He got Tony Martin down three times. Rocco. He got Rocco. My bad. My bad. He got Rocco Martin down. I know. My I don't. I don't. Dude's looking good these days. He got Rocco Martin down three times. Well, where was this phenomenal jujitsu then? Well, you know what? Turns out Martin's actually extremely adequate on the ground as well. Survived against Maya. He survived in this case. When the fight was standing, where was brawling Sergio then? No. What you got was do absolutely nothing, Sergio. The Amari Akhmedov fight. You know what you got for two rounds before he, for whatever reason, clipped him with a winging overhand, right? You got two rounds of do nothing Sergio if that's what you get here you're going to lose he's going to lose but fuck man all he needs is the one takedown and like how dumb could this guy be could he his coaches must realize don't stand there and strike with him he likes to but they do it every time, Paul. And he's 37. He should be a little more spring chicken than some of the other aged veterans on this card that we're trying to put some faith into. But, like, nah, he's shop-worn as well, man. His last two fights, he's taken absolute beatings. And the two wins he's had prior to that was an absolute robbery versus Tim Means. And a win over a fellow shot, Ben Saunders. So you you have to know what you're getting into. If you're going to back well, him as your dog, yeah. Into. If you're going to back him as your dog, plus 160, real I, tempting. Real tempting. It's like, I lose bets all the time. Yeah, so. I know. I know. I, what, this is MMA, Paul. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure we're we're all in the same boat here. Yeah. But but you got to find the ones that you do win, make it worthwhile. Is he worth chasing up 160? Tempting, but I don't know, man. This guy is just waiting to let you down. Remember the Luan Chagas fight? Another example. Just doesn't do nothing until he decides to. You can't put faith in guys like that, man. It's just like you go rewatch all of you can't those put fights. Faith in those guys when they're chalk favorite. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There's fair. a certain line where I'm a, I'm willing to take on some risk of a guy being a jabroni if the price is right. I think the price may be right here, but Timmy's decision coming up. I haven't play on it yet, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the week shakes out. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I'm kind of surprised. I just don't. Maybe I just underrate James Krause. Take a quick break because I need to tell you, in case you didn't know, the Showtime sports documentary film Pariah, The Lives and Deaths of Sonny Liston, chronicles the tragic life and suspicious death of perhaps the most vilified and misunderstood boxer of all time, Sonny Liston. Tune in Friday, November 15th at 9 p.m. on Showtime. Back to the show. Ricardo Ramos taking on... Eduardo Garagori, minus 280 Ramos, plus 240 Garagori we got. Yeah, this is the one I didn't fully understand. Because, I mean, like, yeah, Ramos 280, <laughs> he's a big favorite. But considering that some of these other price tags on the card, everything's pretty well even. Charles Oliver is 355. He's the one that stands out. Why is he 355? He's got the advantages absolutely all over. When I look at this Ricardo Ramos matchup, it's like, man, he's got the advantage pretty much everywhere. Thing is, and he is a poor man, Charles Oliveira, his cardio is not great. And just like a young Charles Oliveira, if you can stretch him out a little bit later, like his game plan starts to go AWOL. But he's young. He's way better grappler. I think he's got the wrestling advantage as well. Hopefully he uses that to just get the fight to the ground right away. And his striking is not bad. Doesn't move his head. Always stays basically on the line. Uh, stands upright. But his Muay Thai is not bad. He's got more experience in the UFC. Gregorian, it's not like he's out of place. I mean, he was, what, 12-0 and 0 to signing with the UFC, but that's all just like a case of matter. He had fought in effectively nobody. 
And then the UFC signs him to fight Humberto Bandanai because they're in Peru. Peru. We need Humberto Bandanai to fight on the card because he's a local guy. And we don't have anybody on the roster that Humberto Bandanai could conceivably beat. So we'll sign this guy who's kind of also from the area, although he's Argentinian, not the area, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? He looked good. He looked good against Bandanai. Where he didn't look good is that he got taken down four times against Bandanai. And then if he gets taken down even once by Ricardo Ramos, I think he's out. Like, He's done. I don't even see where he has a shot. So, uh, based on that, and we'll, we'll talk about it later. Like as far as DraftKings goes, like ninety two hundred dollars. I think you're going to want some Ramos playing one lineup. He seems like the the he he's one of the two guys on the card. They're big favorites. But him and Charles Oliveira, like they they feel safe. It feels like where, where does he blow this? Where does he blow this? Is yeah, third round. He's tired and he's getting plowed on. Because yeah, this Gregorian kid, like yeah, his gas tank looked pretty good. And I think he lives at altitude or a decent amount of altitude. Didn't look like he tired, but you're also sending him, well, yeah, to Brazil. It's not that big of a distance for him. Like, I don't know. He could surprise us late. I, I, I just I just can't go there. I'm going to have to go with Ramos to get the job done, and I don't mind him. Yep, same here. Uh, we got Francisco Masaranduba Trinaldo taking on Bobby Green. Uh, Green back from who God only knows. What I'm shocked he was able to leave the country. Yeah. Actually, Brazil doesn't care. I think you could still get a visa out there. Yeah, well, I think you can because I've known I've known Canadian fighters that can't fight in the states. They can't get to the states that have fought in Brazil. Like Brazil's the visa process was different, I guess. Just like come on in, come hey, on in. I mean, as a tourist, and it's just tourist always, maybe. Yeah, maybe the like, thing. Just like come on in. Yeah. We will. Uh, yeah, but don't fuck around. Maybe he's pretending to be his brother. Who's that guy? Is that guy still trying to kill his brother? If he is, then you can seek asylum in Brazil. Bam, bam, get your visa, go over there, take a fight. Anyway, we got, uh, yeah, Trinaldo's minus 125, Green is plus 105. How many times, I think it was a guy on Twitter, the open role, he's just, how many times can people say, oh, well, you know, Trinaldo is like 42 years old, he's just uh, too <laughs> old, and keeps going. that keeps winning, he just got robbed by uh, yeah, Hernandez. Alexander Hernandez. Uh, in Texas, by by far the worst committee. Yeah, yeah, and fair enough. And that is home cooking. So anybody in the comment section, like, <laughs> just Texas. Texas is a great example that home cooking still exists. I can tell you that much. Texas is the worst. Um, <laughs> give me, give me, the, the fans are going to love this guy. Give me Master and Druba, man. But, like, the, the big question here is just, like, what's Bobby been up to? Like, I guess... I think, wow, who knows what exactly. Bobby's been so, up to, Paul. Let's wait until we see the weigh-ins before we jump on this line. But uh, give me give me Grandpa Trinaldo, man. The guy's just... He just doesn't age. He just keeps getting... He's just the same tried-test-and-true guy every single time I see him go out there. Um, maybe he can utilize some wrestling. Usually, he's more of a Brazilian kickboxer. That's where... He, he kind of got started, but the guys became a really, really serviceable top 15 lightweight. And I'm not going to bet against them in Brazil, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, I, I completely hear you. Bobby Green is similar in the frustrations that you feel for Sergio Marais. It's like there's glimpses of brilliance in, in almost all of Bobby's fights. Mirrored with just so much inconsistency and like bullshit in between. Like, there's almost always antics during the fight. And, like, I, I don't know. People say the shoulder roll doesn't work. It's like this guy uses it pretty good. He's in a very effective striker. He's got good power. His cardio always checks out. He, outside of him getting straight out smoked out by Dustin Poirier, 
always in competitive fights. Mm-hmm. He's there to fight. His record is dog shit in the UFC, but they keep him around for a reason. And generally, pretty exciting guy. I, I see advantages for it in the spot. But I also see where Master Nduba, because he's such a big crowd favorite, he gets a pop. And his style is not one of these, like, Sergio Marais for meanwhile. He's going to lay back. He's going to do nothing. And he's going to have to rely on a robbery based on... Not doing anything. Master and Duba don't fight like that. Fight's moving forward. You know, if you're going to rob the opponent, it's way easier to do because it's like, yeah, this guy's at least going for it. He's bringing the heat. And his style, pretty good. A good style clash against Bobby Green because Bobby Green's really laid back. He's really relaxed. He doesn't throw a ton of punches. The punches he does throw are effective. The punches that he does throw are fairly accurate. He's got good hands. But a lot of it is just sitting back and waiting for shit to go down. And that's what fucks him up against Poirier. He's that, like, he waits too long to get going and Poirier never gives him a shot. The fight with Lando Venata, he waits it's way too long to get going. Lando not a fucks him up in the first round. 10-8. Second round, Bobby Green, baby. Bobby Green works his way back into it, wins the second round, wins the third round, ends up getting a draw out of it. His last fight against uh, Dracker Close, fuck, man, he got robbed. Like, Bobby, there's something there with Bobby. You do see those flashes, but he waits too long to get going. And that'll be his, his, his undoing here against Trinaldo, is that Trinaldo is a decent, decently enough fast starter, uh, and he's going to probably put the pressure on him. He's definitely going to have the fans behind him. This is not like a home cooking, and like, oh, he's from the area. There's a bunch of Brazilians on the card. This is like, he's a fan favorite from the area. People love him. He's 41 years old, and it's just like, this guy stood the test of time. We used to talk about Glyson Tebow, Michelle Prezeris, and Master Nduba. Master Nduba is your personal favorite. I like Glyson Tebow. And I guess as a career whole, maybe Tebow is the most, you know, uh, successful of the three. But none of those guys are fighting at 41. Like, they, they shelled of themselves, right? They shelled out. Glyson this guy this guy just smoked on Hernandez, who's, what, 26 years old, prime of his life, and a, a good fighter. And he got robbed in Texas. So like, even the commission was like, shit. You know, like we're we're gonna take some heat for this one. Just got a win over Will Brooks. Uh, Will Brooks on in Korea. He didn't get paid. I know, crazy, right? That's why you just don't take rent. Oh yeah, that promotion they hadn't paid on their last show. I don't know why you take a fight there. Brooks has taken it in stride. Like he got your flight to get over there and everything like that. They 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 covered that, but it was like after the fight. I think I think he got paid thirty grand, and then uh, yeah, I went to go collect, and the promoter was just like, oh. We'll pay you. No, I think they cut him a check. Yeah, I think they cut him a check. Castro from. But then the check bounces. What billion? Yeah, yeah. What (laughs) bill? Yeah, that's the best. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I would say that he's aged well. He's aged well, but we got to go back to what are his roots. His roots are like, fuck, man. He used to be a kickbox, Brazilian kickboxing champion. He wings hard kicks, great kicks, good hooks, good punches. Evolution out tie guy, and you know he'll play to that. I bet on Klitsin Abreu last weekend. The Russian tear. I thought this guy's getting to him. One thing I was disappointed is. I thought he had a ground advantage. I thought he had a grappling advantage. I thought his path to victory was taking the fight to the ground, beating him on the ground. And, like, he didn't look interested at all. Like, the advice was, you could beat this guy standing. Gamzatov. It's like, eh, you probably can't beat this guy standing. Maybe pockets, but just use those pockets of success to take this guy down. But instead, it was just like, let's go into the game plan of strike, strike, strike. Master Nuba is another case of, like, as good as the striking is, man, he's a, such a smothering top game. Like, BJJ Black Belt, good submissions, super strong. Super strong. But he f- fell in love with the striking a bit, right? Because he's got some highlight reel knockouts. Remember the Evan Dunham fight? Like, it's like, dude dude is a hot human highlight reel, really. Uh, anyways, I think he goes up two rounds against Bobby Green. gets a slow start. If Bobby rallies in the third, still 29-28, especially in Brazil. Master and Duba. Love the value at minus 125. I can see that as a play. We got uh, Worley Alves taking on Randy Brown. 
Alves minus 120, Brown plus 100. What you take here? I'll take Worley Alves, but I'll pencil it in as this will be my personal apple pie shitter. I can see it already. Like, Randy Brown wins these type of fights against guys that don't have a great gas tank that he can extend out and he can beat. Worley Alves has proven to be exactly that. Like, I mean, the fights where he doesn't have his way right at the get-go... He ties, started with the Brian Barberina fight, obviously, but then it culminates in the James Krause fight. Like, what, what are you doing, man? This guy's half your size. He, you, you, all your advantages are his weak points, and he just tired out flat out. He also fought that Salim Tuari. I think that was in Poland. Fuck, he looked terrible in that fight as well. He is now branded. Busted prospect. Yeah, untouchable. Yeah, he's got the win over Colby Covington, and like, that's it, you know? Like, flopping for that guillotine was his one-trick move. It worked against uh, Nordin Taleb. It worked against Colby, and like, it just busted prospects. And said, one of those tough winners, that'll just fade into to nothingness. But one thing is that he's yeah, fairly young. Maybe he could theoretically turn the corner. I don't know. And then in his last fight, he kind of showed me that promise. He fought Sergio Marais, and he didn't tire. He just beat the shit out of him for three rounds. He looked good. He does have a wrestling advantage over Randy Brown. Like, Randy Brown's not taking this guy down unless the guy's gassed. He, he's way stronger than him, and he's got a good takedown defense. Also, if you're a gas tank issue, if you have gas tank issues... Randy's going to take advantage. A, That's what I'm worrying about. Wrestling, starting a fight with wrestling is only going to make you more tired as the fight goes on. Well, see, I think he's got the striking advantage over Randy Brown as well. Like, Brown's going to have way more length. He's going to have way more distance. He'll stay on the outside. He's got a good jab. He's got a good right hand. He's got some decent kicks. He'll be able to keep him at bay, but it's hard to keep Borle Alves out at bay because he'll just power forward, right? I think he was like 10-0 in kickboxing or something. He knows how to to strike and in his last fight it seemed like he was putting it together so was randy brown is good at mixing up his game you know he's a mixed martial artist i, I don't know that i can confidently say that he's just going to matador worley alves for three rounds i think worley alves at some point could take him down when he takes him down brown's going to be in trouble i mean brown's not good enough off his back i don't think that he's gonna he's not gonna submit him and he's too long and rangy that he's not gonna get him off of him so truthfully how i see the fight playing in my head is that worley alves is just gonna go out there and just bomb on him he'll wing his strikes just to let even if brown shells up and covers every single punch is blocked he's gonna have to shell up and he'll probably be against the cage because natural momentum is you're going to move back and when he shelled up against the cage alves is going to look to get him down and when alves does get him down he's going to be in trouble but brown could make him work and brown could tire him out and brown could stay to the outside and beat him and again it, it's not wouldn't be considered an apple pie shitter because it's not he's not a 200 no. favorite he's not a 300 favorite he's not somebody i have a full expectation to win it's just like he again shit in the proverbial apple pie that is his career I, I, yeah yeah I, i'm i'm seeing i'm seeing worley alves win this fight and then i'm also thinking oh man these are the exact spots that randy brown has made a career out of and worley alves has has undoubtedly faltered in i haven't given you a greasy theory yet so i might as well give you one right now so you look at at, uh, you look at, I don't know, we'll just say his last four fights. I don't want to make this too long for you. But we'll look at Worley Alves' last four fights. So mm -hmm. he fought Salim Tuari in Europe. Fuck, he looked real bad. Then he fought Sultan Aliyev in Brazil. <sighs> remember he Nobody shut his eye? Yeah, remember he shut his eye closed and they called it after two? They were like, oh man. Okay, that's in Brazil. Then he fought James Krause in the US. Oof, he looked bad. Then he fought Sergio Marais in Brazil. <sighs> Ooh, he never tired once. I don't know, Paul. Maybe this guy just fights better in Brazil. So I'm going to say that he doesn't die against Randy Brown. Mm. And I'm going to say that Worley Alves gets the victory. All right. That's the play. That's your theory. Worley Alves in Brazil. He's got the uh, the gas tank of a uh, of a uh, post you or <laughs> pre 
USADA case, uh, TJ Dillashaw? Yeah, yeah. Disclaimer. No, no. Disclaimer. Disclaimer is that he did gas out in Brazil against Brian Barberena. However, Brian Barberena pushes a super pace. Yeah, it's, you know, it was, it's, it's different. It's different. It's way different. All right, moving on down. We've got uh, Douglas De Silva Andrade taking on the ghost of Henan Burrell. The DeAndrade minus 240, Burrell plus 200. Imagine, like, <laughs> five years ago when Dana White is going on about saying Henan Burrell is, like, goat. pound for pound goat. goat. You know, he's spinning, uh, spinning back kicking uh, Eddie Wineland into a Remember that game. promo? It was, like, 33 fight winning streak. Uh, and we could only date if there was only 26 on his UFC record. Cal- but they were, like. Uh, UFC pay-per-view in Calgary. I remember he was, like, the main event against your Faber. Faber. Yeah. Smoked and him. just, like, the whole, the whole narrative at that time is just, like. Has there anybody? Has there ever been anybody better than Varela? This is incredible. Pound for pound, pound for pound. Oh, this is uh, Jose Aldo's like training partner, and and he may even be better than Aldo. It's just like you you fast forward a few years and you're like, oh my god, this guy's career has fallen off an absolute cliff. And like the funny thing about it is. This line makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm seeing a plus yeah. 200 on Hannon Burrell, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not like, all right, let's go. Um, I mean, Douglas Silva Andrade, Brazilian pressure, uh, Brazilian presser, pressure striker. He's kind of like a Lineker type of style. Yeah. And I don't think Hannon Burrell really has the pop in his punches to stop these types of guys from moving forward. And that's a big problem. Um, I see Andrade winning a decision, maybe even finding a finish, but decision probably more likely, just kind of barging forward, not having any respect for what's coming back from Hannon Burrell. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully that's – if he loses this fight, it's like he's already lost Andre. He will – it's just like it's over, man. Like it's, it's over. Get out of here. So, yeah, pick is Andrade. Gates Brown never thought I would say that, but here we are. Well, it's like you were saying, you go back all those years, it's like imagine if it was Henan Brown versus some three and Douglas D. Andrade is three and three in the UFC. It's not like he's a standout. It's not like he's a young up and comer. He's just a warm body. Like Henan why can't Henan Brown, if this was five years ago, it'd be it'd be a wash. But five years ago, Andre Uhl, Brian Kelleher, Luke Sanders, like what? He would he'd be six to one, seven to one. He was a seven and a half one favorite over Dillashaw the first time, you know? Like like he was supposed to be so good. And you know what? And anyway, we never bet him. We never bet this guy. But the narrative always has been for me, anyways. It's like, what if he recaptures like a little bit of that magic? What if what if what if he does find the right weight class? You know, he's been searching 145, 135, has been working. What if he recaptures some of that magic? Then the other day I'm thinking. Fuck that magic was never magic to begin with. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know. And you look at like back when he was the absolute man, right? He won that. He won that fight in Calgary. Goes to Faber just based on leg kicks. Faber was done at the time and actually went to decision. Not a great fight actually. Then he beats Michael McDonald. He got dropped by Michael McDonald if you don't remember that. Mm-hmm. But then he submits Michael McDonald. Okay, well, where is he at these days in Bellator? Uh, Eddie Wineland. He punched out Eddie Wineland. But why, why was he even fighting Eddie Wineland, the former WEC champ? Like over, yeah, it was a sick KO. Don't get me wrong. It was like over, over the hill, non-contention. Eddie Wineland. Like okay, cool highlight, real win. 
And then you beat Faber again. Why did he fight Faber again? He routed him five rounds to nothing the first time. Thought he needed a short notice guy. And then since then, it's like, yeah, yeah. When he takes an upper level of competition, guys that are relevant by today's standards, he got smoked out. When he takes on guys that are irrelevant by today's standards, like Sanders and Ewell, he's getting smoked out. Like there's no, there's no recapturing anything there. Uh, it's gone. Yeah. I think Douglas D'Andrade just simply being able to stand there and swing bombs. By the way, like his losses, you know, Rob Font and Peter Yan, like, yeah, those guys are good. Those guys would know, they would have no trouble beating Henan Brow. You think Henan Brow goes one round against Peter Yan? No, no fucking chance. No way. No, no way about it. And yeah, okay. He only makes two rounds against Peter Yan, but all the same, it's like, yeah, when you give him a slightly lesser, like a, like a Marlon Vera, like, yeah, he looked okay there. He can win those striking exchanges. He can pressure forward. He's got enough power to knock out Barrow. And I feel like he's got enough takedown defense to just keep the fight standing and make it happen. So, yeah, I, I got in Draj. However, however, I know I probably sound broken record here, but, like, I don't like 240. I, I, I don't. I don't like 240. As shot as Barrow is, one in, one in six in his last seven, that that one win being over a male nurse, Felipe Nover, I still don't. I still don't love putting 260 on a guy that again is three and three in the UFC over six fights and fights once a year. Like he's not exactly. He's 32. Doesn't fight very often. Has a ballooned up record and has mixed results against mid to mediocre level talent. So yeah, if Barrow captured whatever used to be there, I still think he loses. But for 260, I don't really want to find out. So this. Probably a pass, I mean, but we'll talk about DK like ninety one hundred. Fuck it, this guy's shot. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. It does. I wouldn't price it any differently, but I'd also be hoping people weren't taking action on it. We got Veronica Macedo taking on Ariane Lipsky. Uh, Macedo minus one twenty five. Lipsky plus one hundred five. Lipsky was supposed to get the ketchup eating treatment. There's like, you know what, we've got someone who may be very marketable here, good-looking girl, just struggling to find a W. Who do we call? Catch-a-beating. Catch-a-beating pulled out. That's not good for business. And then they brought in Macedo, which, like, is, much, is a harder opponent, frankly, and a striker who's faster. Maybe this, I guess, Lipsky is going to be looking to try to take this fight to the canvas if she can track You think down. so? Macedo should probably be faster on the feet, don't you think? She is fast. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. Uh, If you're Lipsky, what's your game plan coming into this fight then? Well, I don't know. She's a Muay Thai specialist. I figured she'd probably want to keep it striking and use her size. Like, that's the one thing with Macedo. You and I, one of the few people, made motherfucking money on Macedo last time out. But the whole talk around her beating Pollyanna Vienna for us was, this is the first time she'll fight a natural 115 opponent. Like, this girl's a straw weight. She's always been a straw weight, and yet she was fighting at Bantamweight. Like, oh, it made no sense. At 125, she's still having mixed results, but finally taking an opponent that was coming up. Like, okay, she'll have advantages here. She shows her speed. She shows her striking. Her ground game, not that bad either. She's young. She's getting better. She's making improvements. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind this girl one bit, but I thought she was actually legitimately planning to go to 115. I see that she was supposed to fight this Amanda Lemos Lemos in a few weeks. Or it's... 
from like three weeks after this card. So she's coming in on short notice, but she was already trading for another mm-hmm. fight. And that fight was at 125, by the way. So it wasn't like she was, I don't know. I thought she was going to 115, guess not. Uh, she could pose Lipsky a lot of problems here. Maybe she's got speed advantage over Lipsky. She's more mobile. She's got that karate base. So she's an elusive striker. And as bad as her ground game seems to be, she's made, she's made a lot of improvements there. She spent a lot of time working there. I think she kind of show, showcased that her last time out. So I think Macedo's got some chances for sure. But I, I don't know. Like, this is the most degenerate fight to bet on, I think. Because with Macedo, being... Nothing happens. It's a lot of, like, fighting at range and strikes don't actually get landed. Yeah, yeah. And I was a huge proponent of being, like, that first fight, she makes her octagon debut against Ashley Evans-Smith, right? But she's, like, 21 years old. And Ashley Evans-Smith is twice her size and way better on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And then she fought Andrea Lee. Andrea Lee is fucking huge for the weight class. And just smokes right out of there. Jillian Robertson is like, fuck, dude. She's just a much a way better grappler and way bigger than her. But through all of that, it's like trial through fire. She's fighting actually some of the top end gr- girls in the division. And now she's only 24 years old. And now she finally got an opponent in Pollyanna Vienna where she could showcase some of that. And she did. She looked good in that fight. So now she's coming into this fight. Again, it looks short notice, but she's not really short notice. She got screwed by Ketcha beating pulling, pulling out of the spot. Yeah, but think about if you're the you're UFC. Her opponent. Think about if you're the UFC, right? We signed this girl. She was getting paid bizank from KSW. Yeah. And you took her with some promise that she was going to be a, a great fighter. Okay. She fights Joanne Calderwood. How badass is Joanne Calderwood? You know, she's got 10 plus fights in the UFC. She's been all around. She's fought for all the great promotions in the world. Okay. Lipsky. Lipsky's Lipsky comes in a 245 favorite over Joanne Calderwood, despite the fact that it's her UFC debut. She's a 245 favorite. Shits the bed. Okay. So let's give her Molly McCann. She's a 275 favorite over Molly McCann. Again, shits the bed. So now Macedo's here, and it's like, okay, now she's near even money with Veronica Macedo. They're, they themselves are jumping off the bandwagon. But there's a reason she was a favorite, that big of a favorite over, you know, talented, proven veterans at one time. There was thought to be something there. Whereas Macedo coming off a 0-3 start to her UFC career is just making up for lost time. Anyways, this is a flat-out pass. If one of them got to be better dog status, yeah, I could see maybe taking a poke on it as like a dog. Like, if you give me Lipsky for dog money, real dog money, not plus 105. Maybe I take a shot at that. You know what? 0-2, big fucking deal. You know who was 0-3 in the UFC? Macedo. It doesn't matter what your record in the UFC is. You got to get the proper fight. She fought Molly McCann, hard grinder, and Joanne Calderwood. Maybe you can give her a pass. Give me better than plus 105, I would take her. Flip side to that, if a bunch of people pounded at this price and Macedo's the underdog, I I could be I I guess I could be tempted into that way, but the smart play here I think is just walk is just walk. And for good reason, for good reason. That's the second fight on a UFC South Hollow. Like nobody, people aren't betting these. The people in our the you know our Twitter community and stuff are betting, but like general public is unless they have like a tout guy who is like. Telling them to bet one of these sides. Like, You'd have to have a, a hot take or an inside scoop. But when I watch the tape on both of them, it's like I, I see the path for both. Mm-hmm. And finally, we've got uh, Tracy Cortez taking on Vanessa Mello. Minus 200 Cortez, plus 170 Mello. Tracy, this is this fight, like the, the path for this fight to happen is very, very, very crazy. It was like, I think it was Duda Santana versus Leah Letson. Leah Letson pulled out then. Tracy Cortez came in to take on Duda Santana. Duda Santana pulled out, and then Vanessa Mello comes in to fill in. So, like, it started with Letson, Santana, and we're 
we have two completely different fighters. Um, obviously, not very much time for. Yeah, it's short notice, I guess, for all parties. So, like, let's not over concern ourselves with that. Sorry, I'm just trying to write down the time code here at the same time, which is kind of a pain in the ace. That's the last fight. Every single fight. Um. So Cortez in her uh, in her in her contender series fight, taking on a striker, able to work her grappling, get up against the cage, go for takedowns. It's all gravy, but uh, she got re reversed a bunch of times against said striker that she was taking on. The, the girl looked incredibly, incredibly green, got the win, cute face, cute, uh, you know, good personality, that type of thing, gets the call out, or gets the call up to the big show here, but, I mean, there's massive holes in her game. Vanessa Mello, on the other hand, She's really, like, you know, she has a bad record, but she's taken on definitely the better opponents over the course of her career. All I can really say is minus 200, like, I do not touch that line. Like, that is absurd for an opponent or a fighter like Cortez, who is just so, so green, getting reversed, losing position in, in real, real basic spots. Um, in that fight on the contender series, so she ended up, you know, her cardio gas tank, that all checks out. But, um, yeah, minus 200, like, it's really, really, it's a, it's a full out pass for me on this one. Like, I just don't see how I could ever get to that price. And I think Mellow kind of sucks. So I don't really want to take that, the plus dog money on her either. What's your take? Yeah, no, I'm going to have to agree with you. Yeah, it's risky in the sense that's like, Mello has more losses than this other girl has like combined fight mm -hmm. by one unit. I mean, six and one versus the six pro losses, but she, she's got way more experience. The skill set definitely has to go towards Tracy Cortez, basically just being that she's a wrestler. And I hate to say it, but quite simply knowing how to wrestle decently enough, going to win you some fights in this division it, when they match you accordingly. And Mello's kind of like that. Like, she's not. She's 10 and 6 in her career. She's kind of had a journeyman type status. She fought on that same card where nobody got paid with Will Brooks in them. She beat Jan Finney. Remember her? She fought for Strike Force back in the yeah, day? I watched that fight earlier today. Right, right. She's like 11 and 14 or something, and she wins that fight. And I don't know, maybe they feel bad for her. She never got paid, so they signed her to the UFC and then just. There's there's not enough there's not enough there. The the problem with Tracy Cortez is that her last fight, well, whatever, two fights ago, her last fight's on contender series. Two fights ago, she fights for Invicta. She scrapes up a split decision, right? It's like she's young, she's green, she's one dimensional. She's got a good gas tank. She can wrestle. That's gonna help. But she's not positioned like. But like, take it from me. Take it from me. I'll be honest here. still got massive holes. In yeah, take it from me. Take it. I've gone. She secure you in position? Not really. No. I've lost fights like this before. I've lost fights, not in the UFC, but LFA and Invicta and Bellator. You know what I mean? The girl's a better wrestler. She has a significant wrestling advantage. The problem is, is that it's like, it's, it's UFC 10 shit. You know what I mean? Like, if the takedown doesn't work, it's like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? And Melo, being a much more experienced fighter at home, um, they're kind of both short notice. I don't think that's an advantage for anybody. Like, it could get dicey. This is 165. Yeah, all there you're going Cortez anything above that makes you worry 200 it's one of those price tags she should be considered one of the safer plays on the card she's a stylistical dream against Melo it, she should but yeah you're she a but, grappler though? 
Well, better a wrestler, she but like you, but like you're saying, she can't hold these people down, right? No, she got reversed twice against that that girl in the contender series. Now she was able to re-reverse. You know, you know, like, they're just rolling around multiple yeah. times. Like she lost position, uh, she got swept a couple times, and it's just like, ugh. I mean, I can't bet you at that price with DraftKings. Different story. Because yeah. kind of, the scrambling messes, those those fights just sometimes just turn into like bonkers points. Yeah, yeah, wow, of course. But when I was looking, when I was looking at it today, it was tape setting. It was almost like I don't know, I don't even know how to 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 explain it. It was almost like some pollster guy shit. But I'm watching, trying to do some tape study here. I'm looking at Tracy Cortez. I'm thinking, fuck, dude, she's a way better wrestler. She's gonna take her down. She's gonna have her way. And then and then all here is draw and win. I said, what the fuck was that? I said, and win. I said, who's there? Who the fuck is there? Nobody's there. So I little a little oh, dude. Tracy Cortez is gonna get some motherfucking takedowns. Melo's not gonna be a Duran win. I said, but that's the problem, dude. I, little voice in my head was right. Yeah, Duran win is a much better wrestler than fucking Stewart. Much better wrestler, and he did get the takedowns just like I thought he would. But he couldn't hold him down. So what good's a takedown when the other person just pops right back up? And you know what happened when he popped right back up? Not a very good striker, now is he? Darren Stewart pieces him up. Darren Stewart wins the decision. I got killed on that. And truthfully, part of me thinks Darren Wynn did win that fight. No, no, that's a lie. He won that bout. He lost the fight. 100% he lost the fight. Yeah, but if it's a prize. he might have, yeah. Fight, may have scraped up two of the three rounds. System. I understand the argument. I thought he, yeah, I thought he won. So, do, so do you know why she's? Do you know why she wins a split decision two fights back? Because it's the same thing. Like, what good's the takedown without any real control, without real ground and pound? Like, yeah, you just you, there, it's not quite there. So, Melo could be a better striker. In fact, she just went three rounds with Irene Aldana. So, why isn't she not a better striker? She is. If she can just keep getting back up when she does get taken down. Maybe she makes a roll. Anyways, all I'm saying here is fucking don't touch it past. The 200 is just too big of a price tag. Because I do like Tracy Cortez, but voice in my head who needs to fuck off with the Daron Wynn shit is, uh, is yeah, no, 100% right. The fuck said More that? More like Daron lose, am I right? But <laughs> <laughs> Ah, we'll get a good price on them next time, though. Hopefully, it's against somebody with. Like, who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Darren Stewart perce- perceivably Stewart's had improved a lot. <laughs> yeah. man. We yes, got, yes. From the guy who got submitted, and I cast like a thirteen to one fucking bet on uh, Julian Marquez by, by submission. Sub- he never submitted him. And Daron Wynn can't hold this guy down. What is going on? Yeah, Stewart has improved a lot. Yeah, he has. All respect in the world to the dentist. We will say that he has. Uh, He's definitely stepped up his game. All right, let's run through this fight card from a DraftKings perspective. We'll just start with the main event. Blahovich, 8,900. Uh, Ronaldo, Jacare, Souza, 7,300. You want, you want both sides or one? I don't I don't want to go through yeah, that yeah, way because yeah. I don't have it. No, no, good. I don't have it in pricing. I don't have it like 94. Like what, what? How do you want to do it? Okay, okay. Blachowicz, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a pass on. Yeah, I'm gonna take a pass on Blachowicz because honestly, like he's just not known for that power. He's not known for that stopping ability. I mean, he just finished Luke Rockhold last time out. Yeah, well, fair. He beat Luke Rockhold last time out, but everybody and their mother laughs about Luke Rockhold's chin. Like Dave Branch wobbled this guy. Like he cannot take a punch, and 100% Jan Blachowicz took advantage of that. When you look at uh, Jacare Souza, like spitting 
back fist against Yoel, folded him up, lives to tell the tale. Kelvin Gastelum drops him, slams some shots into him, lives to tell the tale. All of his fights, you take the Chris Weidman fight, fuck, Chris Weidman's hands look good the first 10 minutes. Hits him with all types of nasty. Guy can take a hell of a punch. And what I'm saying is that Blakovitz is not a 100 significant strike kind of guy. If he, I want him to wrestle. That's his path to victory. But if he doesn't wrestle, he, he's not going to get up to 8,900. So I'm taking the pass on him. Five rounds. I'm going to play him. Okay. Yeah, fair, fair. And I think a lot of people will because of five rounds. But without any takedowns, if it's just significant strikes and it goes five rounds, Maybe he gets 90 points, and I guess for that it would be considered like worth it. But he's middle way through I think that's what I'm out on. Okay, fair enough. That's a theory, and uh, and I love theories, so fair, fair. Jacques Ray Souza at $7,300. Yeah, he's got five rounds to deal with. He's got a better submission game. He could theoretically land that shot. I don't know. Maybe his power translates at 205. I couldn't tell you because I've never seen it, so I, I can't confidently say he'll knock him out. In fact, Blakovic has got a cast iron chin. So, yeah, I think 7300 is the price, but I'm leaning towards a pass in the main event. Shogun, ninety. $300. If he hits Paul Craig, he could knock Paul Craig out. But I'm getting a bad feeling about that. Craig, $6,900. He, he has to grease him. $6,900. You know, I, 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 think, I think for a cash game, it's a high-risk play for a cash game, so you're not going to like it. And for a GPP, I don't know that he's got that big upside we're looking really for. He's low volume, man. Like, he just he's extremely to, low volume. He has to add a submission. And he's, I don't know that he submits. Last fight out against Vinci's Moreau's complete dust. Yeah, yeah, that that, that one I'm passing away for. Charles Oliveira, $9,400. I 100% see that. I think he can win this fight standing. I think he can win this fight on the ground. Remember that Carlos Diego Ferreira fight? He drops Jared Gordon. And then it's like, uh, it's like a cop arresting, like, uh, some civilian. Like, he just pins one arm behind his back, like a hammerlock. And then beats the piss out of him. It's a perfectly well-rounded performance, but it shows what a guy with advantages over Jared Gordon can do. I think Charles Oliveira again can do the same thing, standing on the ground, gets it done. Jared Gordon, sixty-eight hundred dollars. That would be a decent punt. He has scored big in his career. He does have a good gas tank. He does have a big heart. But all the other cards are stacked against him here. So I would have to take the pass there, unless you're paying one punt, big GPP. Fuck it, going for it. Maybe not. Arroyo, eight thousand dollars. He's a mid-range guy. I think you nailed it in that he's got potentially high upside. Munoz has been knocked out in all four of his pro losses. That's how how he loses fights. Arroyo, meanwhile, vicious kicks. he's got some decent kicks. He's got some decent stopping power. And Munoz is a terrible striker. He charges forward. He doesn't have the wrestling to back it up. He needs to rely on the fact that he can flop to the ground and just reverse you and get on top. Maybe hit some type of scramble and get on top. Against Arroyo, who's a decent enough grappler, a guy that spent a lot of time on Greg Jackson's, a guy that might have a decent little game plan here. I think Arroyo can put it together. 8,000, decent enough play. Marcus Perez, Wellington Thurman, I'm going to have to hit a pass here. Perez at $8,600. That's expensive for a guy that he takes his time, man. He hands at his waist, hangs at the back. He's got a, he's got a nice body kick. killer instinct and he yeah. after it. My problem with... Got a nice anaconda choke. My problem with Wellington Thurman here is that He's just going to grind the pace to a halt. He's going to try to hold him up against the cage, and that's yeah. just, just dicey. If it's anybody there, I'm playing Marcus Perez just because I see that he does have like the killer instinct when he has an opponent. Yeah, Perez is also really durable, and so the flip side to that, if I'm fading Perez, why would I not take Wellington Terman? Is that like, yeah, yeah, you're right. If he's going to win this fight, hopefully, and I think he's going to win this fight, how I see his path is hold him up against the cage and grind him. That's not going to help us on DK very much. Uh, James Krause versus Sergio Moraes. I think you take a pass on the 9,000 on James Krause. Just too much. Even if he does go out there and route Sergio Moraes, no takedowns. So Sergio Moraes is not 
he's not going to get enough points out of it. But that $7,200 on Sergio Myers is very tempting. And like, just dude, you just need one takedown. Maybe one in the first and one in the second. But that's it. Two takedown. That's all. Very hard to trust him for $7,200. Willing to at, willing to try it. When you look at the bottom of the pricing. Yeah, that was this. Sergio Marais, and you're like. Oh, high yeah, upside. Charles high Oliver, upside in. Up to uh, Ricardo Ramos and those other guys. It's like. Marais does feel like the at least relatively safe guy down there. Yeah. Like, you'll probably get three rounds out of him, even in a loss. Maybe you get 25 points. So, like. And if he wins, it's maybe he gets a first round submission. Like he gets this fight to the ground, he's he's so dynamic down there. So yeah, seventy two hundred. Plug your nose. He's a submission specialist, and yeah, he's pulled off some wizardry in the past. You asked Neil Magny, and he he could definitely hit up for that. Now the Ricardo Ramos fight again. I said Ramos is a poor man's version of Charles Oliveira. That's what I believe. He's two hundred dollars cheaper on the DraftKings. He's like sixty points cheaper on the money line. He'd be way less owned, probably. Way less owned. Definitely worth a poke. Why he is the riskier play is he's not nearly as proven as Charles Oliveira, obviously. And also with Oliveira fighting Jared Gordon, the blueprint's been made on Jared Gordon. We've seen him lose. We've seen him lose in spectacular fashion there's something you can base it on gregorian there's not any holes in what you've seen other than his takedown defense maybe against the bandit knife fight just because there's not enough out there on him he hasn't been knocked out he hasn't been submitted he's shown to have a good gas tank so there's a little bit of more of a question mark there a little bit more of a worry but because it's going to be lower ownership and basically the same amount of upside i think ricardo ramos is definitely worth having a look at Bobby Green, Francisco Trinaldo. I'm going to hit a pass on that. I think Francisco Trinaldo can win the fight, should win the fight, but Bobby Green's hard to, to, to score big on. In the last, you knocked this guy out. He's been dropped. But when he doesn't get knocked out, he can slow the pace down a little bit. And Francisco Trinaldo, yes, we always talk about his age, Paul. We do. 41 years old. He's not going to just put foot on the gas the entire time. Like He's smart now. He's going to have to pace himself a little bit. And if he paces himself against a defensive fight against Bobby Green, I don't know that he's going to hit up to that 8,400. Because he's a big fan favorite, I can see him being decently owned. Bobby Green, I'm going to head a pass on that as well. Worley Alves, Randy Brown, I think both sides are playable, just depending on what camp you're with here. Randy Brown, $7,900. If he wins this fight, could he score? 80 points against Worley Alves? Yeah. James Krause just beat the shit out of him from the outside. Mm-hmm. And the, this guy's twice as long as James Krause. He could get you that in value for sure. Flip side to that, I think Worley Alves is putting it all together. And if he does, he's got the takedown advantage. He could submit him. He could land some de- decent strike standing. Put it all together. The $8,300 is also worth it. Just depends where you're feeling with that particular a matchup. Douglas and Josh and Barrow, like, it would have to be such a. Oh, like a dart throw out a board that Hennon Barrow is going to show up like a, a version of himself that he needs to be in order to win this matchup. There's just no real way of knowing. So I would have to say at $7,100, you had a hard pass. Douglas D'Andrade, meanwhile, he swings bombs. Hennon chin was seriously compromised by TJ Dillashaw two times. Yeah, yeah. It seems like almost. But but of the other 9,000, like uh, north of 9,000 plays, we talked about Ricardo Ramos. We talk, I don't like James Rose. No, uh, no, no, he's definitely, he's off of that. Charles Oliveira, to a lesser extent, Marisa, who, hell, I like Blockowitz, honestly, at 8,900 more than I think I like D'Andrage at 91. He could get the KO. But I don't know. I don't know. Just there's there's more risk there. I think associated. Veronica Macedo versus Lipsky. I think he'd hit a hard pass on this on both sides. And Tracy Cortez, very interesting. We've just finished talking not that long ago about Tracy Cortez 
Not a good price tag at minus 200. Mm, definitely not proven. Could lose this fight. You'd want some exposure on DraftKings because she's got the best thing DraftKings has got going. Good wrestling, terrible positional control. No top game for good wrestling. The problem is because all it is is scrambles. Down? That's the issue that we're going to run into here. Well, well, well. We forgot to break this down, so I'll slip this in there. But yeah, yeah, she's coming up a weight class. And Melo in her last fight against Irene Aldana fucking missed weight by multiple pounds. Like, coming big. So yes, wrestling advantage is now going to be a lot different, right? Thick thighs in that matchup, I'll tell you that one. But if you're looking at it for a DraftKings, I'm just going for it. I'm just going for it. She's going to be low ownership, hopefully, in comparison to some of the other plays. Maybe her opponent being bigger could be good for you because she's really not going to be holding yeah. her down now, Paul. My donkey play. But I would say money line is you walk away. My donkey play on DraftKings of the week is, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to end up playing Tracy Cortez. And at least it's the first fight of the night. So it's like, oh, well, the DraftKings is over. No, you're the Paul's, to Paul's obvious pick of the week last week did come through with Hobolov. What a awful fight to watch but we mentioned that, we mentioned it would probably be an awful fight to watch that referee's play of the yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All he's like nothing is going on i'll tell you nothing is going on but i will not do nothing about yeah. it this is like all right cool you gotta do something but not actually do something because i'll just let you continue to do nothing. yeah yeah you know what the crazy thing too is hobolov will lose one fight and they'll cut him despite his long history of success and people will be like how do you cut a guy who's 14 and 4 in the UFC. It's just like, woof, man. People are paying for entertainment. Like, he just sucks all the entertainment right out of it. But it's an effective style. So, sadly enough, who is the Paul's obvious, but probably going to fuck it up play this week? Who looks obvious? Is it Charles Oliveira? Or is it Ricardo Ramos? That's it's feeling like Ricardo Ramos. Don't fuck Charles Oliveira. I, I, I think Oliveira. Toast, uh, yeah, but three thirty, three fifty five yeah, is a big exactly. ass price tag. That, no, no, win, win, Duran, win. We went with him. He was a good price tag last week. Hobblov, Hobblov was two hundred when we bet him. Like it was a good price tag. Three thirty five on Oliveira is yeah, you know, not a not a good price tag. Not, I'll bet it, but I'm gonna have to put it with some other stuff which I don't lie, love. I'm not force it. Especially we don't have to do this every single week because I, 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 I faded the curse. I got I got over the curse. There you go. Okay, so there you go. Chris is done. Pogi Rose Parlay is going to be... Mm, you know what? We're going to go Jacare. Ah, I know. Sorry, Robbie. We're going to go Jacare. We're going to go Jacare. We're going to go Shogun. One of them is going to fuck it up. Charles Oliveira. Antonio Arroyo. Technically, he's the dog, so that's one dog play. I'm going to go Terman. You know, he's plus 105. I, I, you're, 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 yeah, I don't know. The pass is a smart play, but because I'm giving you straight up picks here. And he's technically going to be the second dog. Sergio Marais. Why not? Why not? Actually, we got four dogs now. Yeah, we're going to take Rod Carter Ramos. He's favorite. Trinaldo's the favorite. Orly Alves is the favorite. Indraj is the favorite. Macedo is the favorite. Do I want Macedo? I'm going to take Lipsky. I'm going to take Lipsky. That's the fifth favorite. And then Trace Cortez. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I do see value on this card. There are some good straight-up plays. There's some good uh, some value in 500 dogs anyways. But man, if there was, remember how they used to be like UFC breaking point, UFC bedlam. This would be like UFC untrustworthy because like, man, the favorites have all dogged you at some point. Let's look at the favorites. Jan Blakovitz, man, 
just has fought lackluster fights. Remember when he lost to Tiago Santos? He ran straight first into that punch with yeah. no reason. He's fighting a good fight to that point. Shogun Hua, how many times does he shit in your pie? Charles Oliveira, what? We literally invented the term apple pie shitter because of this fucking guy. Uh, Andre Muniz, I can't, he's got no experience. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, Marcus Perez just fights like an idiot half the time. James Krause shouldn't be at this weight class. Ricardo Ramos, fucking apple pie shitter. Francisco Trinaldo is 41. He's had a couple wonky moments here and there. Orly Alves, what? Are we talking about apple pie shitters? Again, same old. Has done it many times before. Andraj and Henan Burrell, like, that's got bad news written all over it. And then you got two women's fights that are. Likely stayaways. So, yeah, I, I see where the danger is for sure. But coming off Russia, we got get back on track. And listen, Lou Bega didn't get it right with Mambo number one. Sometimes it takes, you know, some consistency and some some perseverance. So let's get back on track. Well, Paul, did do you see that I became a Rocco Martin guy? Oh, he's your guy now? I think I'm a Rocco Martin guy. I don't know why. I was watching the fights. That's crazy. I was watching the fights. And uh, we got booed. We got booed, and there was this whole family thing and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? Maybe that was like the first time he seemed like personable. I was able to relate in any way, shape, or form. Like, you know what? I've been addicted to this guy. Needlessly, I've been addicted to this guy over the years. Just like that. I'm a Rocco guy. Rocco Martin guy now. Yeah, all right, Paul Aziz. Oh, yeah, he's managed by them. Yeah, for all I know, that's who I'm talking to right now. How do I know yeah. you're not the real Paul Shaughnessy? That was some wonky shit. I've known you how long. You don't like Tony Martin. Rocco. Wow. You you know what? You accused me of getting that Aurora money last week? I'm thinking you're getting some Ali Abdelaziz money right now. What's going on here? Something's up. I'm on to you, Paul. No. It was, uh, it was unreasonable for me. <laughs> to just pick this guy out for no good reason and say that I hated him. Well, he hates a strong word. I don't know if you ever said you hated him. You said sure you said disliked him. him. Okay. I, think I, I okay. Think I did hate him until that moment. Okay, so he softened up your bank account and now he's your boy. All right, all right. Let's see how things go. Hmm. See how things. See where your loyalty stands. Could have been where my mind was at the time. You know, the uh, it's legal here. The so. hash. Yeah. The hate was putting hate in your heart? It's legal. It's legal here these days, so there's nothing I, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Embrace, like, embrace you know the hate, man? Paul. You've been really hard on this guy, needlessly. <laughs> like, maybe you should switch. You should just, I'm a Rocco guy now. You so know we'll what? See, we'll see if this actually continues into the next fight. The other day, but the other dude, day. That was a, you know, that was a super, super dodgy, tough fight, and he looked great. He did look good. Last time, you know what? He makes improvements every time. Uh, really, I mean, he's probably a pretty hardworking guy at American Top Team. Makes the improvements. I see it. Sometimes I also and think then, like uh, you. I'm like uh, Greg Hardy versus Volkov. I think we we were you know we were saying how can we not pick the guy who's the more experienced trained fighter? And sure enough, he won exactly the way that we thought. But you know, Hardy stock goes up. I think Hardy stock went way up. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I said. Remember, I said. I don't know if he can take a punch in the face because I haven't seen it. Volkov never hit him with anything hot, but it's like he 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 stood up there. He went a massive he step went, up in competition he went, for Greg Hardy for and sure. He did not look out of place. Whatsoever. No, no. So you know, props to him. Props to the gym for getting him ready. Like this guy's going to be around this division. So whether you love him or hate him, most people hate him. Um, you better get used to him because uh, Greg Hardy's going to be here for a long time. 
Right. So now you're publicly endorsing Greg Hardy and Rocco Martin. The fuck is going on here, man? What the fuck is going on? Who else? He says, Kayla Harrison. Let me see. She's your bebe. Remember you're saying off camera, who's your bebe? Is Kayla Harrison your bebe? Because now I know something's up. She's nobody's bebe. And we were right about uh, David Grant. I felt that one felt good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Plus 140 underdog. I was really wrong on Jesse uh, Rose Clark versus Kianza. You could tell really early into that one that there was just a massive boxing advantage for uh, Kianza. And uh, Rose Clark. Okay, we'll leave you with this. Put the question on you here. Coming off of last week... Is getting Safdicked still in play? Danny Roberts 100% benefited. So, so benefited. Like, there's the guy I've been talking about who seemingly didn't no longer exist. Hat off. Totally different guy. But in the same breath, I mean, Davey Grant... I presumably had me get Safdick too, and yeah, fuck, it was good. Plus 165. That one so definitely we, did feel good. What we good. learned from it is that Safdicking... Jury's still out. Reverse staff dicking, very much in play. I've never bet right, against. I've different. never bet against Jared Gordon. So if he comes out there and crushes Charles Oliveira, which in a universe does exist, definitely a possibility. Uh, holy fuck, that would be bad luck. Yeah, I'm not talking about happens, luck. That's a mad. That's official curse status. If that happens. The reverse staff dick is 100. Oh, it's on par. It's on pace with uh, you know the Ender Curse and Shag Fade, Ben Fade. And with this mustache, you do not want to be getting saf dicks, let me tell you. <laughs> you could do 10-15 for that. I basically just... Why the microphone here? I don't know. What'd you do? It's falling apart here. I must have smacked it. Anyway. That, uh, All right, Ollie. Leave you at that. Ollie, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Who else do you like from Dominance MMA? I mean, from the UFC. I don't know, like half the card from last week. The entire card was basically like Ali's... Where's that... I mean, let me guess. Let me guess. You you probably thought Kelvin Gastelum won too, didn't you? No. No, I didn't think he did either. Good fight. Ah, not a good fight. But, like, he give a okay account of himself. But he lost. Three-round fight. Ladies and gentlemen, I have anything big coming up. Nothing. Helping break Dukepedia. That's our next world champion, baby. So, keeping the... Yeah, oh, we got a new horse? I remember I was in Pennsylvania last week, four days. No. Oh, yes. That's why we did the show on Thursday, Paul. Yeah. Very I short. I you were in Pennsylvania. But I wouldn't expect you to know. You got all these clients in all these different countries fighting on events. You know, I, <laughs> you're probably too busy to realize that little Cody was in Pennsylvania. But anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, fuck. He's just a baby. We got to teach him. He's going to get after. He's going to make you the big bucks. Hopefully. His brother Jetpedia made about like 175000 but uh, couldn't breathe. He had a bad breathing problem, like a palate issue. So. Do you find horses with breathing issues? That doesn't No, sound. no, no. He's a half brother. He's a half brother to him. So Jetpedia was out of a horse called Muscle Hill, and Duke is out of a horse called Cantab Hall. So they're half brothers. They got the same mom, different dad. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Jetpedia was real fast and had a breathing issue. So yeah. little Dookie, if little Dookie's also fast, but doesn't have that motherfucker breathing issue. Then it would have been a good investment. But I don't know. Time will tell, dude. Still a long way away. There's a dookie in your apple pie. Yeah. Jeez. I didn't really consider that. All right. That was Cody Saptic. Thank you, Cody Saptic, for breaking down the fights with me. As always, for Cody, I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.